Do you have a tricky work problem that you need to solve? I have a great podcast recommendation for you featuring a pair of expert women. Whether you're just starting your career or a seasoned professional, check out Fixable, a podcast from TED. Hosted by Harvard professor Frances Fry and her wife, leadership coach Ann Morris, the brilliant duo provide honest, actionable advice to help you navigate everything from a gaslighting manager to returning to work after parental leave. They'll leave you feeling empowered and ready to act. Listen to Fixable wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, and welcome to the Boss Up Podcast, episode 288. I'm your host, Emily Aries, the founder and CEO of Bossed Up. And today's episode is perfect for job seekers who've been wondering what the heck recruiters do, how they work, whether or not you should reach out to them or wait to be reached out to by them, and how to leverage recruiters to accelerate your job search. I'm delighted to be sitting down once again with Jenny Foss, a recruiter, career strategist, and the voice behind the award-winning career blog, JobJenny.com. She provides professionals with strategies, tips, and techniques needed to take any job search or career pivot to the next level. And she last joined me here on the Boss Up Podcast back in April to talk through how to nail a virtual interview, which is episode 220, worth taking a listen to as well. And today I brought her back on the pod because she just released a great new course with LinkedIn Learning all about recruiters, how to work with them, how to leverage them for your job search. And I'm delighted she agreed to join me once again to share her wisdom. So if you're a job seeker right now or you're thinking about a job search in the coming year or so, saddle up. This is going to be a conversation you do not want to miss with Jenny Foss of JobJenny.com. Jenny, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast. Well, thank you. Thank you. Good to be here. (laughs) So I have been working with job seekers all year and for many years now through Bossed Up. And one of the topics that seems to be so mystifying and under-discussed is a topic you just made a great LinkedIn learning course all about, which is how recruiters can really help in the job search process. Yes. So I'm delighted to have you share some insights on that front. Can we first just establish what it is that we're even talking about when we talk about recruiters? There are many of them. There are different kinds of them. Which recruiters can be most helpful to which job seekers? Recruiters can be very helpful to supplement your efforts as a job seeker. But there are a lot of different flavors, if you will, of recruiters. We have the kinds that work in-house. Uh-huh. So they're the corporate recruiters, and they're filling roles just within that one company. And then we have recruiting agencies that are outside firms that get hired by various companies to help them fill open positions. And then we have firms that are more specialized in contract positions or temp firms. So Mm -hmm. understanding that those are very different can be helpful and helping you figure out where to align yourself, who to reach out to if you decide Mm -hmm. you want to engage the support of recruiters as part of your search. Yeah, I think one of the biggest eyebrow-raising elements of this for some of my clients is, well, what's in it for them? 
who's getting paid and in what structure and how. And I think there's a little bit of suspicion, rightfully so, from job seekers' perspective, which is like, is the recruiter really looking out for my best interest? And if not, how do I proceed cautiously in that domain? So along those three lines of the the in-house corporate recruiter, the third-party external recruiter, or the more sort of temporary worker temp agency style focus. Is there a big difference in in that regard in terms of whose interests they're really advocating for? Well, for a good recruiter, no. But when you get right down to it, and this is the case most certainly with an agency recruiter, you, the job seeker, aren't the client. Because if you were, you would have to pay for the support of that recruiter. So the way that recruiting agency recruiters work for the most part is they are hired by a corporation or an organization that maybe needs some support finding talent for their roles. And they engage the recruiting agency And if and when that recruiting agency introduces somebody who ultimately is the candidate that gets hired, the recruiting agency earns a commission for that. And it's usually Mm -hmm. a percentage of that candidate's first year base salary. So to Mm. simplify the math, if I get hired into a $100,000 job, that was through a recruiter and they are on a 20% commission structure, that recruiting agency earns $20,000. And then the recruiter gets a portion of that. And this is important to know because even though recruiters most certainly need you, the job seeker, and they, they need to keep you engaged and interested and help you find the right fits, when you get right down to it, their main objective is to fill the most open positions that their clients have available Mm -hmm. the fastest. Right. That is important. (laughs) That is important to understand because obviously that sounds great to the job seeker right now. They're like, sweet, get me the fastest job possible. Awesome. However, if you feel hesitation about a job, if you feel a little trepidation, if you're considering really negotiating very hard, which we're going to talk more about, you know, and you're not 100% sold that this is the right next move for your career, you shouldn't really be surprised if you're getting some pressure from that recruiter who wants this deal to be done. Correct. <laughs> and and that's fair. That's kind of understandable given the dynamics of the whole situation, right? Yeah. And likewise, if you feel that they're kind of dragging their feet and not following up with you or not presenting new opportunities to you, it likely just means they don't have an open role that is perfect for you right now. And so they are spending their time with other people who are a better match for the specific things that they have open right now. Right. That's some real talk right there. But that's that's fair. And it's good to know it's nothing personal. It's the economics of it, which reminds me of the other big part of that first big question, which is which workers, which employees, which job seekers are really best served by recruiters? And are those recruiters reaching out to them exclusively or should they be reaching out to recruiters? What does that look like? Okay, so I'm going to peel it apart here and say, 
you can absolutely reach out directly to recruiters. You don't have to wait. A lot of times I think people wait to be found on LinkedIn or whatever. Mm. But if you think through who might be a great partner to you, you can reach out directly and you should. Mm -hmm. What you should not do is just call everybody that you know or, or email everybody that you know that has a job title of recruiter and expect that they're going to want to partner with you because they could be very specialized in a particular industry or a particular type of position that they fill. And if you're not that, mm. you're just not the right fit. So mm -hmm. here's kind of the general rule of thumb. If you are early career, you may be best served by a recruiter that specializes in entry-level or early career placements. So if that's somebody, a recruiter on the inside of a company, that's often the person or people that do the collegiate recruiting. So if right. you can find someone at a company of interest that, that goes to college campuses and talks with soon-to-be grads or new grads, that's probably a great resource for you. If you are someone who maybe is trying to make a career pivot, an agency recruiter might not be the right resource for you because, again, they're looking to find the most obvious candidates to fill these positions quickly. And if you don't make perfect sense on paper, it might be very difficult for them to convince their client, which is the hiring company, to give you a chance. So, so keep that mm. in mind. If you are somebody who may be open to project-based work or temp-to-hire work, you should certainly consider approaching an agency that either entirely specializes in short-term or contract positions or a lot of agencies do both. They do permanent placements and they also do temporary or temp-to-hire jobs. And mm. right now in this very tight economy, I have seen that a lot of movement is happening on the contract side. So if you might be open I'm to taking a job that doesn't have any kind of assurance of you know, longevity, I mean, it could. I think that's a really great option right now. I mean, hey, everything else feels uncertain. So who needs certainty in that regard right now? Pile it on. Do you think that the contractor or short-term contract job market is so hot right now is just because employers as well have trouble predicting the future right now. So they would rather make a short-term commitment. Yes. And, and if they have a hiring freeze where they can't hire any direct right. people, this is kind of a workaround where they might have budget <laughs> to bring people in on a consultative or a contract basis. And who knows, that could turn into a long-term job, but it's, it's kind of a a Band-Aid solution, I think, for some companies yeah. right now where they get the help that they need without violating the, the freeze. Mm, yeah. I think it's important too to, to point out about when you hear the word temp job, I think a lot of people's brain goes to like clerical work or seasonal retail work. But mm. today, there are so many jobs that are temp or contract in 
project management, information technology, marketing. I mean, big, meaty assignments that I think a lot of people don't realize even exist right? because they don't understand what that temp job means. I mean, honestly, that's the big trend in the labor force that we've seen over the past decade. And I'm not, I don't want to compare those jobs necessarily to lift driving, but like the gig economy is a big trend impacting every sector. And I, I remember it was yesterday, back in 2012, 2013, when I was just starting Bossed Up, I was in DC and I went to Capitol Hill for a presentation on something related to women and economic security. And there was a bunch of lawmakers there. And I raised my hand afterwards and said, how does any of this policy relate to gig workers, temporary workers, contract workers? And the answer was, well, they're not that big a part of the economy. So it doesn't relate. And that was their answer. And I was like, oh, man, we are in trouble. Our government is light years behind where we need them to be when it comes to temporary work. Yes, so, yes. My, how things have changed, huh? Yeah. And hopefully that kind of security is something we can hope for all workers moving forward. And hopefully 2020 will be an anomaly. But if you are in that boat or if you're just looking to reach out to recruiters in general, because let's say I, I think it's important to acknowledge also – that the workers who are going to benefit the most from working with a recruiter are people in very competitive fields with very unique skill sets. Do you feel like that's true or is it broader? I think it's broader. Certainly that is one area where we're having the recruiter relationship can be really helpful. But it's also in types of roles and industries that require lots of people all at once. So Mm. say there's some huge IT implementation that's going on in a company and they need 150 developers for the next year. I mean, it it can be that volume kind of hiring as well when they're trying to ramp up on something very quickly. So not always specialization, Recruiters work in a lot of different ways, or their agencies are structured in different ways. So I have Mm -hmm. owned a recruiting agency for many years that focuses exclusively on the robotics industry. So it's a very narrow sector. Yeah. What I do over on the jobjenny.com side of my world is, is much broader. But now there are some agencies that specialize only in, say, executives or only in salespeople. So sometimes it's functionally aligned, sometimes it's area of specialization. And really, I would just recommend doing some research on Google and finding a short handful of recruiters or recruiting agencies that that seem to represent clients that work in the sector that you're in or want to be in and, and reach out to them and, and see if it might be worth having a conversation with them. Awesome. So let's say you've gotten that far. When you sit down to have that conversation, how should job seekers approach it to be most you know, successful in establishing rapport there? Yeah. And that's, that's a really important question that you just asked because there are a lot of ways to do it wrong. <laughs> but if you've done your research and you have found a few agencies or recruiters that you feel will probably be a good fit for you, 
I would just reach out directly and say, here's who I am. I, mm-hmm. you know, I work in marketing for the consumer packaged goods industry. It looks like you work with clients that, that look for people with my type of background. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if it might make sense for us to have a conversation. So it's telling them right away, like I've done a bit of research. It looks to me like your clients hire people like me and maybe we should work together kind of feeling. Right. I think often what happens is number one, people call again, every recruiter that they know and whether they're a fit or not and expect that person to embrace them. Or number two is they contact that recruiter and and the tone is more like, can you do me this favor? Well, that's the wrong approach because part of a recruiting agency recruiter's job is to go out and find talent that their clients maybe wouldn't necessarily find on their own, vet that person to see if they are a likely fit, and then introduce Mm. them to their client, the hiring company. And if that match is a good match and, and that person gets hired, everybody wins. So if you are calling a recruiter directly or emailing and, and introducing yourself, if you've picked the right type of recruiter, you're actually taking a step out of their job because they didn't have to go find you. You've come to them. You've shown up on their doorstep. You should always approach with it in mind that you're looking to have a collaborative arrangement with them, not looking for a favor from them. I completely agree. And I'm always a little surprised at how quickly it tends to come up. So for job seekers out there, know that you can withhold that information if you don't feel comfortable. And that can be really confusing, right? If you don't know what kind of a recruiter you're dealing with, especially if like you don't understand how recruiters work in general. So that upfront explanation is really important to understand. And you make me think of the difference between working with an internal recruiter versus an external recruiter in terms of how much information you want to divulge. So as the job seeker, for instance, what would you say around sharing salary information? Because I know a lot of recruiters are going to ask job seekers, what is it that you're hoping to make? And I, for one, am a big believer in withholding that information when you're talking to the employer, of course. We want to get employers to name their price when it comes to positions. But how do you advise folks approaching information sharing like that with recruiters? They definitely will want to know sooner, not later, what your expected salary range is. Because if you're out of the ballpark of of what their client is willing to pay, it's going to waste your time and their time. So it's understandable why they want you to name a number. But you are correct. It is typically not to your advantage to be the one who throws out the first number. Because if you throw out one that's lower than they would be willing to pay, you've just earned yourself a lower salary. And if you say something that's too high, yet you were maybe willing to take less, you've shot yourself in the foot. So here's what I encourage people to say at that spot of the conversation. It does not always work, but you can say, 
What I'd really love to do, Emily, is hear more about the, the goals and expectations of, of the team and, and that you have for the person that comes into this role and share some thoughts around how I could contribute. And then I am certain that if we both feel it's a good match, that we'll be able to come up with an agreeable number. Are you okay with that? So you can always tell me, no, I really need a range, in which case you should be prepared to give some sort of range. But if you can table the, the money talk for the first conversation or two, that will be advantageous. I completely agree. And I'm always a little surprised at how quickly it tends to come up. So for job seekers out there, know that you can withhold that information if you don't feel comfortable yeah, and that gets to your question of, of what should you withhold? Now, you know, I'm a big person that's transparency and no game playing is important. You don't want to string along a recruiter knowing you're not, there's not a chance in heck you're taking this job, but you, you go through the whole interview process. That's going to spoil your relationship with that recruiter who great recruiter relationships can last a long time. Yeah. But yeah, you don't have to tell them everything. No. Mm -hmm. What are some do's and don'ts to make sure you're establishing one of those great relationships with a recruiter? Because I agree, I've seen them span over the course of multiple jobs for individuals who get a great job with that recruiter a decade ago, and then 10 years later, they're on the job hunt again. And they reconnect up and find them another job. So what are some best practices to make sure job seekers embrace when it comes to working with recruiters? And what are the most annoying habits to curb? You talk to recruiters, boy, they're, they're a salty bunch, man. They'll give you 500 of those. <laughs> I think the best practices, number one, is when you're, when you're getting started with a recruiter, whether that's an, a, a corporate or an internal recruiter or an agency recruiter, ask them, you know, what's the best way for us to communicate? Mm. Do you prefer phone? Do you prefer email? And are you okay if I haven't heard from you in a couple or a few weeks, if I just check in from time to time? Usually that's a yes, but you want to make sure that at the outset, you're, you're saying to them, I value your time. I want to make sure this is a mutually beneficial relationship. Mm. How can we set this up in the best way? I would also consider if you are not a fit for an open role that they contact you about or something and you determine it's it's not the right fit. Mm. If you happen to know someone that might be the right fit, always offer to refer someone to them. If you're helping them, they're going to remember that. Absolutely right. well. In terms of what not to do, certainly don't pester, pester, pester. I'm a believer in follow-up. Mm -hmm. I am not a believer in call their phone 10 times a day and hang up or email them on a Sunday. And if they haven't gotten back to you by Sunday night, email them again or text them wondering if they got your message. I mean, those are the kinds of behaviors that, that will probably result in them being less timely, not more timely in following up. And then I think another important thing to realize is that sometimes when they haven't followed up with you, it has nothing to do with their disinterest in you. It could be that their boss said, I need you to drop everything and work on this today. 
It could be that the company that's doing the hiring uh, maybe surfaced an internal candidate and they want to take a look at that person first. It could be that they're they're not agreeing on the scope of the job, so they've halted interviewing until they get that ironed out. I mean, there are so many different variables involved that I think keeping your cool and understanding that you can and only should focus on the things that you can control and just try and let the things that you can't control, you know, roll off. Yeah. And the job search is such a test of that, I oh, feel like. I know. It's very easy to say. It's much harder to put into practice. <laughs> no, but it, it is such great advice because honestly, there's so many variables in the job search that are out of your control. I think it's wise to take a deep breath, step back and think, okay, what can I do to advance my search today? And then radically accept that which you cannot. <laughs> so my final question for you is, What's the relationship to the recruiter strategy, let's call it, of working with recruiters versus the DIY job search? Like, is there a, a ratio? Is there a way of thinking about the recruiter approach as just one part of your job search? Or do you see folks really relying wholeheartedly on recruiters? I always say nobody cares more about you finding your next job or growing your career. Nobody cares more about that mm -hmm. than you. So you really need to take radical accountability mm. for your own success. So that being the case, I would say weave the reaching out to select recruiters and, and bringing them onto your, I'll call it support mm -hmm. team, weave that into your overall, as you called it, the DIY. Yeah. So you don't want to stop doing your own efforts, whether that's applying for jobs or doing informational interviews or direct approaching companies of interest or building your thought leadership intentionally those things are all still important. But getting extra people on board to potentially surface opportunities and, and help you get a foot in the door, I mean, absolutely do that. I love that. I think it's good advice to keep in mind. It's not something to be overlooked, but it's not something to be relied upon, right? Yeah, exactly. Jenny, where can our listeners learn more about recruiters and learn more about you and all the great work that you have done for Job Seekers at Job Jenny? Well, certainly the home base is jobjenny.com. And I also, as you mentioned, partner with linkedin.com on their LinkedIn learning platform. So I have several self-paced video courses on LinkedIn learning, including the one that you saw about how to work with recruiters. So that's that's one of the newest ones that we did. Awesome. This has been such a delight. Thank you so much for, for joining me for this conversation. I appreciate your time. Sure. Yes. I'm always happy to talk recruiter talk because I know it, I know it's really frustrating and mystifying to people. <laughs> to learn more and find links to everything that Jenny and I talked about today, head to bossedup.org slash episode 288 for all of our show notes. That's bossedup.org slash episode 288. And now it's time for this week's boss move of the week. This one comes in from Julieta in the Bossed Up Courage community. Here's what she wrote. Quote, you came up in conversation during my PACE evaluation when I told her that I had one action planned for three goals. 
After I explained where I learned it, my supervisor said, well, I love Emily for teaching you that. And just as a side note, what she's referencing here is how in our whole life tracker methodology, that's like part of the life tracker planner each year, we really believe in taking one big goal and just chunking it down. It's called cognitive chunking, really, to break it down into smaller action steps before you even begin prioritizing your to-do list. If you want to learn more about all the psychology and cognitive science behind goal management, especially for women who want to mitigate guilt while pursuing their biggest ambitious goals, get your hands on one of our Life Tracker planners for 2021 before they sell out. They include quarterly accountability calls and masterclasses in which I walk through all of the psychology behind it. So back to Julieta. She writes, I ended up sending her, my boss, an email with a link after our meeting. And she called me up yesterday because she wanted to tell me she's been listening to your podcast and soaking it all in. Oh my gosh, I love this. So I guess this is kind of your Fierce Friday brag too. She coordinates our trainings and structures our programs and her actions have a strong influence on our team. She's already a great leader, but I look forward to seeing and feeling the vibrations of what she implements from listening to you. Julieta, I love this so much. Shout out to you and your boss for lifting as you climb. This is what it's all about. And now I want to hear from you. What did you think about my conversation with Jenny today? What did you think about integrating recruiters into your job search strategy? And if you've got additional questions about the job search or how to leverage recruiters as a part of your job search strategy, lay them on me. Tag me on social media at Emily Aries or at BossedUp.org. And of course, the best place to continue the conversation is in the Bossed Up Courage community, our Facebook group. Join us in there for the after party after every episode to keep the conversation going and keep strategizing on how we can make the most of one another and championing one another and lifting as we climb. So on that note, let's all keep bossing in pursuit of our purpose and together let's lift as we climb.